This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 164. Let's celebrate! Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Back in 2011, our middle child was born and we became a family of four. I remember people telling us that the tipping point in a family was when you were outnumbered by our kids, but no one mentioned the crazy dynamic of having two children under two. They're 15 months apart for those who are trying to do the math. (laughs) Exactly. That was God's timing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, while Daniel worked full-time at the church and also spent his nights finishing his master's degree, I tried my best to keep the home somewhat sane while two kids under two ran the show. (laughs) If you have toddlers, you know, you know that they run the household. (laughs) I must have looked pretty ragged because wherever I would go, I would hear the famous line, Wow, you look like you have your hands full. I learned to quickly respond with a smile and say, Yes, my hands and heart are full of love. (laughs) It was that response or the death stare to tell others that they have crossed the line. Considering you never know who goes to your church, I chose the polite response. (laughs) That's awesome. The other famous lines I always heard were, Cherish these moments. They go by so quickly. And the days are long, but the years are short. Insert eye roll, right? (laughs) In the thick of the difficult and busy times of raising young children, I didn't feel like there was much to cherish between diapers and snot and fevers. I was trying to survive being a mother, being a wife, and being married to a pastor. Can anyone else relate? Now, the turning point in our family was listening to a sermon about practicing Sabbath. I grew up in a home where Sabbath meant going to church in the morning, out to Swiss Chalet for lunch, back home for a nap, and then going to church for the evening service. As a child, I detested Sabbath because it meant no TV and no friends. The sermon was revolutionary for us because the pastor talked about doing things that give you life and to refrain from things that drain you during Sabbath. This one talk changed the trajectory of our marriage, family, and ministry because it helped us establish a family rhythm. From the simple practice of Sabbath, we went on to realize that our lives have seasons, some really busy seasons like Christmas and Easter, and other quieter seasons like the summer. When we became aware of the seasons of our lives, we were able to plan our vacations, our kids' activities, and even make room for the unexpected and spontaneous to happen. So that's what we want to unpack this episode. We want to help you establish your family rhythms as a form of discipleship. Family rhythms are a combination of daily and weekly rhythms that breathe life into your soul. They provide the oxygen we need to breathe so that we have time for what God has called us to do, to love him and to love others. So let's start by talking about the origin of rhythms. It's fascinating to consider that the God of the universe also put natural rhythms into place since the start of creation. Just think, even on day one, God created day and night. Just take a look at Genesis 1, starting at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. 
God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there is evening, and there is morning the first day. The first thing that God did was establish the daily rhythms of day and night. And it's not so apparent now with the invention of electricity, but just think about life before the light bulb. When nightfall came, there wasn't much you could do to busy yourself other than what could be done by candlelight if candles existed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the setting sun was a natural signal to our bodies to start to wind down. Exactly. God also created rhythms to keep us emotionally and spiritually alive in a chaotic 24-7 world. With the rising and setting of the sun, the God of the universe created us to live within the boundaries of a seven-day rhythm. He set aside one of those seven days as a Sabbath, a day of rest. And this was part of his plan for us from the very beginning of creation. Now, if God is all-powerful, did he really need to rest? <laughs> yeah, Like, exactly. was he somehow exhausted from his work? No, of course not. God rested and celebrated to set a holy rhythm for us, for our lives. So when we enter into the rhythms God created, we live from rest, not for rest, but from rest. When we resist these rhythms, we live from exhaustion. And when we work but fail to celebrate, we become more like our smartphones than human beings. Mm -hmm. Our phones never stop. You want to ask Siri a question at three o'clock in the morning? It's there. Yeah, that's so true. Now, we love what our friends Dr. Josh and Christy Straub say. Over time, a lack of life rhythms has the power to undermine every aspect of our personhood, beginning with relationships. That's why family rhythms are so important. They create room for rest, and rest creates margin for moments to breathe and to celebrate what the good God is up to in your family, leaving you fulfilled, peaceful, content, and grounded. So if those are the origin of rhythms, let's now talk about weekly rhythms. We want to give you a framework to be able to set your weekly rhythm as a married couple or as a family. Now, however chaotic your life might feel right now, uh, you have the authority, the ability to create a rhythm for your family. I mean, just think about it like this, just as you can set a family budget to tell where your money can go or should go, uh, you can set family rhythms to tell where your time should go. Now, if you fail to take authority or initiative over your time, uh, this is for all of us, we all run the risk of living life at the whirlwind of whatever circumstances the day or week throws our way. And in that kind of life, there's no margin for moments or rest or delight. But when you live by intentional rhythms, you get to live the life that God has created for you, a life of learning to abide in him. As you begin to set your rhythms, resist the temptation to worry that setting aside a day for rest means that essential things will not get done or that you will be so stressed that you won't actually be able to rest on the 7th. We've been practicing Sabbath for almost a decade now and can attest to the fact that God can do more with your life in six days than you can do in seven. Yeah. And just like Jesus says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Rhythms are meant to serve your family. Your family is not made to serve the rhythms. And you can choose the rhythms that work best for you. Rhythms also need to change in different seasons of the year and in different seasons of life. The main thing is to choose a rhythm that works for you and helps you and your spouse show up in more meaningful ways with each other and with your kids. 
So how exactly do we set up a weekly rhythm? We'll walk through a five-part framework you can use as a starting point. Once you've practiced living by a weekly rhythm for a while, feel free to make adjustments to create the rhythm that works best for you. Here are five things you'll need to do to set up your weekly rhythm. We'll break them down further and give you some practical ideas. So the first one is to start with rest. You want to always start your weekly rhythm with Sabbath. A day of rest is God's weekly gift to you, to your spouse, and to your kids. You know, we should accept the gift. We can make a plan and then rest. For us, we begin our week celebrating Sabbath on Friday mornings. As we have three church services on the weekend, one on Saturday and two on Sunday, neither of those days actually work for us. We used to practice Sabbath on Mondays, but then we felt like we were crawling to our day of Sabbath instead of being invigorated by it. In the end, it actually doesn't matter which day you choose. Simply set aside a day, ideally a 24-hour period, when you can rest and only do things that fill you. We love what Dr. Sandra Dalton found about rest. When we think of rest, many of us consider sleeping to be the predominant way to re-energize ourselves. Through her research, she actually found that there are seven different types of rest, like mental, spiritual, creative, and emotional. And while we don't have time to get into the nitty-gritty of all the types of rest, we will put up this image of the types of rest in this week's episode show notes. And we've also linked our episode with Dr. Sandra Dalton, where she explains all the seven types of detail in detail. You can just go to inbetween.org slash episode one. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. 64. Now, the second key is to plan your day of rest in blocks. If you're like us, the idea of planning a day of rest may feel overwhelming or exhausting. But here's what we've learned. If you don't work to plan out your day of rest, you'll end up just working on your day of rest because Mm. sometimes that's more natural or easier. Our day of rest is split up into blocks to help us protect this day from other things that may try to take over. We split it up into morning, afternoon, and evening. Although what we do in those blocks of time changes from one season to the next, there are some things that we keep constant. One of the things that nourish us is to spend time together as a couple. So Sabbath is also when we have our weekly date mornings. This is easier now since our kids are at the age that they can stay home alone. So if you're thinking, oh, wouldn't that be great? Maybe there's a couple that you could switch off with Mm -hmm. and they can take care of your kids one day and you can take care of their kids another. Yeah. Now we enjoy each other's company and catch up on the week and also have a time of deeper discussions. That's what we do on our Sabbath date days. Yeah. Now, if you're not sure what to talk about on dates, that's okay. Uh, You may have to set some boundaries about what you're willing to talk about and not. 
Uh, some couples don't want to talk about work or kids or ministry, and others feel like this is what helps them stay connected and aware of what's going on in each other's worlds. Uh, there's also a free app that's helpful. Uh, you can download it. It's called the Gottman Card Decks. And in that app, there's a list of questions on a variety of different topics that you can ask each other. We'll uh, put it in the show notes. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 164. Now, when we come home from our date, it is our family time together in the afternoon. We enjoy being together a variety of ways, including bike rides, snowboarding, hiking, or playing a board game. For us, the important part is being together without screens or other plans so we can tell stories, honor each other, and process the week together. Yeah, and in the evening, we are either cooking something delicious together or we're going out to eat. And we'll usually end our day with a movie or time out on our deck with a fire. You know, every family is different. We just gave you uh, ex- some examples of what we do. So feel free to plan your day in larger or smaller blocks of time and to spend your time in ways that best serve the needs of your family. Consider it a trial and error sort of exercise. Uh, you may not find a rhythm that feels completely restful in the first few months, especially if you have little kids, but don't give up. <laughs> uh, look back together at what worked and what didn't work, and you can just readjust for the next week and then the next week and on and on. I love that. So flexibility and readjusting. Yeah. That's going to help a lot. Mm-hmm. So the third key is to step away from social media on your day of rest. Yes, I said it. (laughs) Now, can you think of a time when someone was fully engaged with you? Like completely present, undistracted, like you were the most important person in the room and they had all of the time and all of the energy in the world for you. That's how you are with me every day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <well>, yeah. <laughs> there, we have moments. We have moments. Yes, but yes. It's, it's impossible for it to be like that 100% exactly. of the time. <laughs> Especially if you have kids or a dog. Yeah, exactly. So we hope you've had this opportunity to be seen and known in this way. Maybe not, maybe not 24 hours a day, but you've each had even an instance where you've been seen and known in this way because it's life-changing. You know, it's a gift to give someone our undivided attention, to be fully present with them. Are you giving this gift to your spouse? Are you giving this gift to your kids? Are you giving this gift to God? Hmm. Those are good questions. One of the toughest parts of research we've ever heard was by Andy Crouch, the author of The TechWise Family. He shared that when children were asked what they wish was most different in the relationship with their parents— The number one answer was, I wish my parents would get off their screens and talk to me. Oh, ouch. Yeah. You know, we're guilty of this, and we struggle with this as well. Uh, In fact, uh, we've seen patterns in our lives that when we're stressed, we check out of our physical environments and zone in on the digital lives of others through social media. And we realized that this wasn't healthy, so we implemented a few guardrails in our home, uh, including not checking social media on our day of rest. Now, do you remember, Daniel, when we first implemented this? Was that easy or difficult for you? Oh, yeah. So easy. Like, it was the easiest thing oh, yeah, in the yeah. world. Like, who perfect. cares about phones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who cares about social media? No, no, no. And that's why for Andy Crouch, he actually said uh, an hour a day, a day a week, a week a year. Mm-hmm. And for us, the hour a day is over dinner. Uh, yep. No phones around our dinner table. 
or anytime we eat together. And then when a day a week yeah. is when Sabbath. is our Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then a week a year is when at some point we're on vacation. So. Yeah, exactly. So I remember the first time I was starting to implement this, I would pick up my phone. Just I wouldn't even be thinking. It would be right beside me and I'd pick my phone. I would like about to press on the Instagram app and then it would like open somehow and i'm like what what am i doing yeah i know yeah Yeah. and it's like or i'll pick up my phone and about to press it i'm like no i'm not supposed to i I can do other things (laughs) yeah exactly i can pick up a book i can pick up a board game i can look at my child in the eyes (laughs) so but it's hard right because it's yeah it's just become an addiction. It's, yeah, it's it become second nature. Always having our phone with us. It's almost like our security blanket. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how they design these things. Um, it's true. All these apps, yes. phones were designed to be as addictive as possible because that generates them more money and all that stuff. Completely. Right? So yeah, there's yeah. a whole lot of brain science <laughs> and dopamine and all of that that goes on when yeah. we're clicking things and all of that. So yeah. if yeah. you're even your heart is palpitating because you're like, I can never do this. Yeah, it's difficult. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, but you're not alone. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we can sympathize with each other. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> so and we can imagine the life that we want. Mm. Right. Do we want to look back or hear our kids being like, I'm going to counseling because you loved your phone more than me? Oh, ouch. Oh, I wonder. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's why we invest in counseling. <laughs> um, but perhaps admitting to ourselves that we are a little too tied to this device, we can start the journey of carving out the life that we want to be fully present with God, to be fully present with our spouse, and to be fully present with our kids. Now, the fourth point is to defend the rhythm. Now, once your rhythm is set, uh, you can be 120% sure that circumstances will try to interrupt your rhythm and knock you back into your old patterns. Mm, All those old patterns of doing, working, and separating as a family on your day of rest. Now, for us, there really isn't much that that we would allow to change our Sabbath day from Friday to another day. Out of the three years that we've been at our current church, I can only think of one funeral and one wedding that we worked around. Other than that, we've set up our rhythms so that our staff and congregation know that we Sabbath on Fridays and we protect it fiercely. In fact, there was this one time where a team from the church was trying to get in touch with me about something regarding the weekend, right? It's a Friday and we, I, we have services on Saturday and Sunday and they they were trying to reach me and it was multiple times, different people calling over and over. And, and I looked at it and, and I, I remember I was sitting outside. I was, you had your chiropractor appointment mm. and I was sitting in the car and you're going to do that. Then we were going to go on our date. So I was sitting there and I saw that call coming in and I was reading a book and you know, you might think that that's not really a Sabbath thing to do, but going to chiropractor but yeah when you're in pain it oh is my a good goodness thing. yes <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's a get to do it's not a have to do very much yeah. so and i love reading so it was great and i was like oh should i do i i should probably pick it up no no should i no and i i just ended up not picking up and there were a few calls and then some text messages and then the last and then i wasn't really reading the text messages either uh and then i realized the next day the last text message was oh i'm so sorry it's <laughs> i forgot it's your sabbath <laughs> and you know what they figured it out I didn't need to help them and they never did that again. So (laughs) yeah, turns out, you know, when people don't answer the phone or aren't respond, you know, they can find 
uh, creative solutions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or they can ask other people. Yeah. Exactly. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and as much as we um, want to establish that for our family, we also want to be respectful of other people too. Mm-hmm. So, in the same way, if we're having an issue, or unless I mean emergencies aside, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's something that we can wait on, yeah. and not expect a response right away because maybe they're having their Sabbath or they they're taking away um, time from their from their social media or from their phones, we want to respect that as well. Yeah, that's right. So, y'all. Your day of rest may not come easily. Actually, let's say your day of rest will not come easily, (laughs) but it is so worth creating and investing into and protecting fiercely. Yeah. Now, the last point is to not forget to celebrate, right? Don't forget to celebrate, especially when times are tough. Remember that saying, don't sweat the small stuff? Well, growing up in my family, I think the motto would be more like, "Mm, don't celebrate the small stuff. (laughs) My parents really must have wanted to protect us from inflated egos because there wasn't any celebrating of our accomplishments or small victories. Now, I get that there's lots of other things going on in our lives. Um, My parents were immigrants and worked full time, had their own business. But the way that I understood it as a child, it translated to me believing that not much is worth celebrating unless it's a huge win. Hmm. But you know what? God actually shows us a different way. After every day of creation, he declared that it was good. Yeah, and if God can stop each day and look back at what he created and call it good, then perhaps it's important for us to learn to celebrate and call out the good in our lives too. Mm -hmm, Exactly. One of our favorite interviews we've done on our podcast is with Catherine Wolfe. If you don't know her story, she suffered a near-fatal brainstem stroke at the age of 26. It completely changed her and her husband's lives, and there was no going back to normal, quote-unquote normal, after such a tragedy. But what this tragedy actually taught her and her husband is that suffering is not the end but rather the beginning of a new story. Their ministry's desire is to disrupt the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. So what does this lesson and celebration have in common? Well, celebration isn't so different than worship. Catherine goes on to say, but worship in its purest form doesn't happen when everything comes perfectly together. It's most powerful when everything is falling apart. Oh, wow. Celebration can be an act of worship and an act of hope, and perhaps, in a way, an act of joyful rebellion against fear. It's about remembering our future. It's about remembering who holds our past, our present, and our future, right? So, friends, uh, even when life doesn't seem like it's worth celebrating, may we find the courage and the strength to choose celebration as our act of worship. So there you have it a five-part framework to help you start up and set up a weekly rhythm. Start with rest, plan your day of rest in blocks, step away from social media on your day of rest, defend the rhythm, and don't forget to celebrate. So thanks again for listening in to the In Between podcast. You can grab the show notes at inbetween.org slash episode 164. And if someone came to mind as you were listening to this episode, we would be honored if you would share this with them. You can text them this link, inbetween.org slash episode 164, or just hit the share button 
on your favorite podcasting app. Now, blessings as you discern and move forward in creating a weekly rhythm. We would love to hear about this and all the different ideas and and ways that you've come up with doing this. We'd love to celebrate with you. So reach out to us on social media and we'll connect. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.